Giants 21, Titans 20. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And we got a victory pod, a victory Monday on a week one. We haven't felt this since 2016. The Giants haven't won a week one or even a week two game since 2016. We haven't been above 500 since 2016. Sterling Shepard is the only player left on this team. And honestly, Justin, at halftime of this game, the Giants had zero points, down 13-0. And I'm sitting there. And being like, how are we going to do another year of this? Like, like we know it's rebuilding and stuff, but I'm like, how are we going to talk about this team for another year? Like, this, it looks so bad. So, credit to this Giants team, Brian Dable, Saquon Barkley, for getting us a victory in week one. Against a team that was the number one team in the AFC. I know they're not the greatest team in the world, but that was a gritty, good win by the New York Giants. When at many times, it felt like they were not going to win that game. Bobby Skinner. <laughs> we, we did it, man. We did it. We, uh... Like you said, 1-0, first time above 500 um, since 2016. I was there. You can clearly hear that I was there based on my voice. Um, Fat Randy missed that field goal. Brian Dable, big balls, man. (laughs) A lot of big balls going for that two-point conversion. Um, This is what we wanted. This is what we wanted out of this new regime, and especially we're talking about the coaching this year, right? The coaching being the difference when the talent isn't there, but the coaching being the difference maybe between sneaking out a few games that maybe you shouldn't win and then just lose, maybe flat out losing games because you're not as talented, right? So where that comes in is Brian Dable going for two, Brian Dable being aggressive, and where it also comes in is explosive plays, Doing some things despite not being perfect to just set you over the edge. That's what this game was about. And I am so excited to be here. There were a ton of Giants fans in Nashville. Let's let's do this. Yeah, Brian Dable, I, I, I made sure to tweet it beforehand because I didn't want to... Because you know how those two-point conversion calls can go. If he doesn't get it, it's a lot of like, oh, you got to go for the tie there. And then if he goes for it, it's the, it's the best thing ever. But I said before, I was like, go for two. You know, with the way this game flow has been, don't like... Go for two. Go for the win. Trust that your team, trust that your players can get two yards. And they did. And they put it in Saquon Barkley's hand, who put the team on his back in this game. Saquon put the team on his back in this game. Uh, 18 carries for 164 yards and a touchdown. That's 9.1 yards per carry. Six catches for 30 yards. And then the two-point conversion. Like that play, most running backs, that play's dead. That play's dead. And we're, we're miserable right now. But Saquon Barkley broke a tackle, dove through. And won Bro, the Giants. There were the two game. guys that were in front of him too. Like Daniel Jones, like you know, pitches that ball. That's like a Kansas City style type of play, and that's yeah, what we I've saw. Seen them run it. That's what we saw a lot in camp. We saw you know, kind of outside of the red zone and between maybe the twenty to twenty, a lot of Brian Dable's offense. But then in the red zone, it was a lot of that kind of Kansas City offense, and that was that two point conversion was a play straight out of Kansas City. Saquon Barkley 
gets that pitch from Daniel Jones, that underhand pitch, there are literally two guys that are right there. One maybe like is going for like a face mask grab and he just jukes him out of his shoes and then lowers his shoulder and dives into that end zone. So, I mean, that was just absolutely fantastic. But the decision to go for it, Bobby, we'll talk more about Saquon, but there was a minute and five seconds left. Going for two, we know it's a ballsy move, but even if you get that extra point, I feel like you don't trust your defense to get a stop and then force overtime. I mean, really, the Giants' defense didn't get a stop. I mean, you know, Randy Bullock missed the field goal. So you don't trust your defense to get a stop and then force it overtime, so you win the game on your terms. And that's what I absolutely love about it. And then if you were to lose the game, you lose the game on your terms as well. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, it's uh, like you said, and I think I think the odds are better, to be honest. Like, what, what's the better the better odds? That we can get two yards on this play, where we're going full go, all out heart on this play. They get two yards, or we got to get a stop, hopefully win the coin toss in overtime. And yeah, that's then the we thing, the coin toss is such a points. huge element that's uncontrolled in that as well, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I love that move. I'm a big fan of that in general. You know, I remember Jack Del Rio doing it with Derek Carr back in, you know, 2017 when he became the head coach there. Like, first game of the season versus the Saints, and it propelled that team. Um you know, so this is this is a culture this is a, a culture building win. Like you talked about it on on the Friday preview pod. The only culture is winning culture. That's yep, what that's builds the only culture, culture that matters. It's yep. it's 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 what builds cult. Winning builds culture more than anything, and they did this. Um, more is Saquon again. Nine point one yards per carry. Had his first uh, run over fifty plus yards since two thousand nineteen. Um, had the other big run. Uh, he had that fumble, but it was like it was so clear that Saquon's back. And you know, he talked a lot this uh, uh, summer about you know, like he had a chip on his shoulder because last year was bad. Part of it was his doing, but a, a part of it wasn't. It was a bad, a horrible offensive line, and he just couldn't break tackles. He was not the same player coming off the injury. And I said on the on the, his player profile and projection that I'm tired. I'm tired of uh, people acting as if 2021 defined Saquon Barkley more than 2018 and 19. Now, he had to come out and do it this year. But we're week one, and he had 194 uh, total yards in the game. You know, And he and it wasn't just like he just had some big plays and it looked fluke. No, he was running hard. He was running through contact. He was hitting the hole. Uh, and you know what's something that won't get mentioned much? He only had six, he had six catches for only 30 yards, so you don't think of him as being a huge impact in the receiving game. But what I noticed... What did Saquon Barkley do when he caught the ball? He lowered his shoulder and ran. You yeah. know, the, on this, on whether it was on the sideline or what, he just he he got the yards that were there. He he lowered his shoulder. He and he ran hard. So, I give all the credit to him, man. The pressure was on him like crazy to perform this year, and he comes out and and does well against a team that was uh, really good at stopping the run last year in the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I'm even trying to do the quick math right now. I think even when you take out the two big plays that he had, the 68-yarder, and I think the other one was like a 33-yarder, I think he's still averaging on 16 attempts around 90-ish yards. And that's like that's still five and a half carries, uh, five and a half yards per carry, which is really, really good. So Saquon Bar, I'm happy for him, man. Um, and Bobby, you talked over the summer too how there were games in 2018 and 2019 that Saquon Barkley – like, helped win. Just flat out, Saquon Barkley wasn't just part of a win, but Saquon Barkley was one of the main reasons why the Giants won a game in 2018-2019. Saquon Barkley today is the reason why 
the New York football giants won this game today. And yeah. that explosivity and putting your shoulder down, even when you're getting the ball on first and second down, and nothing else is working offensively, by the way. The, I, I thought the offense was pretty sloppy throughout the entire day. Um, and that's why it's credit to also coaching where, you know, you can rise above not everything being perfect. Not everything being perfect. This was a pretty sloppy offensive game and some sloppy defensive things too. But Saquon Barkley was the thing and the player um, and the element that really made this game a W for the Giants. Well, and you know we, we have Brian Dable and Mike Kafka as our offensive minds. They were two of the pass-happiest offenses in the NFL last year, if, if not the two pass-happiest offenses in the NFL last year. They saw, they saw what was happening, and they ran the ball. You know, Saquon got 18 carries. Matt Breida got five carries, and he did good with his carries, by the way, too. Um, Daniel you know, Jones got six carries. He was like, a part of the rushing offense. Yeah, like run the damn ball 2022 New York Giants, and that's what they did. And I think they're going to continue to do it. You know, there, there'll be games where they're not like that. You know, Saquon's not going to get 194 scrimmage yards every game. But I think they have a good, like, foundation of, like, we can run the ball. You know, we saw it in camp and we're like, you know, I don't know what this team's going to look like, but I do think they're going to be able to run the ball. And they did well, you know, yeah. and that was without, you know, Shane Lemieux, who uh, is a good run blocker. And we'll talk about the offensive line in general. But uh, I, I'm just really happy for Saquon, for all of the hate that he gets um, for him to come out and, and have this game. Yeah, and I said, as you know, I called him my giant factor on Friday's preview pod. And I said, you're going up against Derrick Henry, man. Derrick Henry, who is seen as the best running back in the NFL, well, against one of the worst rushing defenses in the NFL, at least as of last year, and especially a defense that was without Kayvon Thibodeau, that's without Aziz Ojolari, that had Timon Fox starting for most of the reps and plays, Um, and then Blake Martinez being cut last week. Um, Derrick Henry had 21 attempts for 82 yards and his longest run was 18 yards. And, you know, they're really those runs of 10 plus yards. They were non-existent for that Titan offense. They really couldn't get anything going consistently on the ground today. So Saquon Barkley went up against what the NFL views as the best running back in the NFL and the passing game and in the doubled receiving his game. Rushing yards. Doubled his rushing yards. And then in the biggest moments as well, not just in the box score, but in the biggest moments as well with the touchdown and that two-point conversion that wins the game with an insane play. So they Barkley schooled him. Let's talk about Daniel Jones before that. Um, I want to encourage our listeners. Usually we ask for reviews after a win or something like that. I'm not going to ask you to do that. Even though if you, if you leave a review, I won't be mad either. This is the first time we've ever asked our listeners to do this. so And we don't ask you to do much. So freaking do it, okay? Um... Or maybe the Giants will be cursed and won't win another game. Tell your friends about talking Giants. Like, yeah, you guys know I'll have Giants friends. That is my that is my request to all Giants fans right now. You're happy. You're enjoying a victory. Take the link to this podcast, whether you listen to it on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, whatever, and just send it to a friend and tell them to listen to the best damn Giants podcast. I think we're going to give you guys the best, um, the best Giants analysis and fandom from all angles you know we'll have the film review the o-line report this week uh our th- our mailbag pods i think are our, our best podcast in season uh the preview pods are fun so tell people about talking giants and then you know the off season we do i mean if you guys are i've been around with us you know how how serious and how hard we grind the off season so that is my request we don't ask much out of you guys tell a friend tell a friend about the talking giants podcast because i I want to see us do good things. And I'm Boom. so excited that we're getting the cover of a team that's 1-0 instead of 0-1. <laughs> it's like, it's the, fir- it's the first time that we've ever covered a team that's been above 500. 
Yeah, first time ever. And again, at halftime, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to, like, I'm just not ready to do this again. Uh, like, I was like, I was just like, I understand the rebuilding, but this just sucks. So, good job. So, freaking yeah. send it to your friend right now. Don't, like, don't, like, think in your head, oh, I-, I might send it to, you know, Jeffrey. No. Stop whatever you're doing. Send it to Jeffrey right now. And it takes you 10 seconds to do it. Yeah. Okay. And then send it to Jeffrey's cousin, Richard. Um, There's still I- some dark clouds. That happened this game, so yeah, it we talked a- about we talked about the the hugely positive in Saquon Barkley. Um, but let's uh, wh- where do you, where do you want to go to next? Because there's two major players on the offensive side of the ball that didn't have the best of games, or at least there's well, not good circumstances surrounding let's, them. Let's talk about Daniel Jones. You know, he went 18, 17 to 21, 81 percent of his passes, 188 yards, nine point one yards per attempt, two touchdowns, and one interception. You read those stats, and you're like, "That's a good, that's a good Daniel Jones game." Those yards per attempt are good. That completion percentage is awesome. You you read that, and that was a good game. You know, he had a sixty six yard touchdown to Sterling Shepard, the game tying one, uh, you know, to Chris Myrick, and you view it as as a good game. But I didn't view this as a good game for Daniel Jones. It wasn't like god awful. But there was, he didn't he didn't look comfortable, man. And and that interception was one of the, you know that was a very bad interception. That's third and you know they were at third and eight at uh you know in their in, at the goal line, basically third and goal after a um, turnover too. Yeah, after a lucky turnover after Kyle Phillips muffed the punt for the Titans, and you just throw a bad kind of duck to Saquon Barkley. Like, I understand what he was trying to go to, but if you're going to throw that back shoulder, you got to throw it quicker and harder and with better placement. And it was just a perfect storm of bad ball placement, uh, bad timing, and just bad decision in general. And Brian Dable lit into him pretty good on the sideline, too, afterwards. Yeah. Um, Usually you know, don't see that. Well, Dable, uh, the cover one guys actually sent it to me, uh, that Dable, like a clip of Dable doing the same thing with Josh Allen. Um, so I, that, you know, as much as da- I think Dable it will give his quarterback some tough love. So I, I was glad to see that, like, you know, Daniel Jones can use some of that. Cause that was, that should have lost the game. You know, that should have been, you know, you got uh, a gift by that muff punt and that should have, lo- that should have lost yeah. them the game, you know? Yeah, and, and I then- also do think uh, on that same, you know, breath, Bobby, cause I don't know how often we're going to talk about this, um, like there were certain things that the Titans did do. I, like I said, the Giants' defense, and then also like the tight the Titans' offensive uh, play calling, like it was keeping the Giants in the game. By the fact, you know, they, there was like there was like first and fifteens, and the <clears throat> Titans were still running the ball. You know, first and ten, second and longs. They're still trying to run the ball. So there were certain things that the Titans did. I mean, that's and that's the NFL. That's the NFL, and the Giants have certainly been the team that because of their offensive play calling, because of their certain decisions that they've made, that they have kept teams in games that maybe they were winning or that they had a shot to win. So I'm not going to feel bad about it, but oh, it certainly no. is. I don't it's care cer- they miss a field goal. No, I don't care. There, it, but it's certainly an element of this game. But again, I'm glad that even though Daniel Jones, I thought you said Daniel Jones you know, didn't have a great game. I thought he had, I mean, I thought it was bad. I, I just thought it was a bad game. Um, there, were, there was one particular play in the first half that I'm excited for you to look at where all, all the guys in the press box were talking about how David Sills was wide open on the left sideline. This was during the second, the, the first half. Um, you know, the obviously the interception as well. I, I thought the throw to Richie James, that Richie James dropped, I thought that, hey, like you're an NFL quarterback. I know you're kind of under pressure, but you got to put a little bit more mustard on that. Um, I, I disagree. They, he had a lot of pressure as a third and 10. I got no problem with that throw. I mean, that I mean, should have been an it's easy just catch a throw for Richie that, James. It's just a throw that I think – 
Daniel Jones needs to make if like if you want to be an NFL quarterback that possibly gets that second contract, you got to be able to put more mustard and put more arm strength on that. Um, and then also Richie James has a ton of field to get yards after the catch if Richie James doesn't have to go to the ground to get that as well. So that's at least how I saw it. I you know if I watch that tape, I may look at it differently too. But, yeah, but there was a lot of pressure. That's a third and ten thrown off his back foot. Like yeah, I, I, I like I, I said, was, I just think I that he needs to deliver that, that ball. I thought that's that was it. one of his better throws and. The touchdown was beautiful. Like that was an alert call. You know, that's a throw that you know Mark Sanchez actually broke it down a little bit on the on the broadcast. Like that's not a throw that is part of the progression. That's a, like, hey, you like you like the look, and he Josh Azudu got beat, like got beat quickly. Uh, he threw off his back foot. I think it was like fifty air yards, and I don't want to hear about oh he underthrew. That's a that's a tough throw. He made that throw, gave his guy uh, some t- some room to adjust, and Sterling Shepard. So that was an awesome throw. So. I have a theory on that, and let me know what you think. Part of me thinks that was an option route because the corner was thinking that Shep was going to break in. Was he was going to break out, break back inside? Like that's how he was playing it. So if the corner has outside leverage and if his hips are facing one way, then Shepard will break towards the middle of the field. And then if the corner has his hips the way that he was playing him. Shep was going to continue going deep, and I—that's part of my reason why it's like if if anybody has a like, oh, that was slightly underthrown. I part of me thinks that that was an option route. What do you think about that? I don't know, but yeah, I, I, that's my theory. But regardless, it was an awesome throw. Like that was an awesome throw. I don't want to hear about how it was underthrown. That was you awesome. Know, that was yeah. fifty air yards off his back foot. Nice tight spiral, and then uh, you let you let your playmaker and Shep make a play. Like so, that was Daniel awesome. Jones, uh, one of one when he throws for twenty plus air yards in two thousand twenty-two. Yeah, he's the best deep ball thrower. Like he he does throw a great deep ball. There's no denying that. Um, but he just looked uncomfortable, you know, in the pocket. Now the offensive line in front of him was bad, but guess what? We've seen Daniel Jones behind bad offensive lines for three years. You know, rookie year, it was. Like, he's almost too comfortable in the pocket. Like, he does not care about pressure. He stares down the barrel, and he delivers throws. Um, the past couple of years, like, last year, he improved in pocket manipulation. Looked comfortable with Andrew Thomas being good. Like, he he looked good. He just didn't look comfortable at all. Like, he wasn't wanting to push the ball downfield. Um, he wasn't manipulating the pocket. Well, like, he just didn't look comfortable in it. So, again, it's it's a good statistical performance by Daniel Jones, but there's there's just too many plays where... You don't feel great about it. and we'll, and we'll we'll talk about Richie James, but again, some st- you know stats don't always tell the story. Like I, I I was not I didn't come away from this game thinking Daniel Jones played good, but it's a it's a win, so it covers blemishes obviously. But that interception should have lost the game, and he's yep. you know we we talked about have given having options downfield. He should have had that throw to David Sills in the first half, um, you know, and again he just he did not look comfortable in the pocket at all, you know, and again. It's bad offensive line definitely has part of that. You know, I'm not going to blame him for bad offensive line, but we've seen him behind bad offensive lines, and it was, it was I've I hadn't seen him like that before. You know, yeah. and he didn't look super fast or uh, when he was moving in past years, so he didn't he didn't look great. Um, they're going to run him a lot. I mean, uh, there were, you know a lot of fans were going back and forth between saying, oh, are they going to run Daniel Jones? Are they not going to run Daniel Jones? How many hits is he going to take? He's they're gonna they're not going to be afraid to do it, which I'm glad. I'm glad that they're not going to be afraid to, you know, use Daniel Jones's legs because when he's moving right, um, it's a weapon. Yeah. So it's again, I'm gl- we got to win. So build on it, Daniel Jones. You know, it's it's like I said, the stats are good. So if you come out and play good next week, 
No one's going to talk about how week they're going to go look at your your total stats, and week one is going to look like a good statistical. It's going to be a good statistical performance. So, but his his level of play has to improve as the season goes around if he's going to get another year with the New York Giants, whether a tag, a cheap one year deal, or what. Um, or so he he just had to play better. Um, I do want to say we'll talk about Josh Azud and Ben Bredesen. The fumble, I got no problem with Daniel Jones on that. That's Josh Azud who got blown up. He's in his backswing. You can't get beat that quickly. So the fumble, the fumble, I don't blame him for that. You know, it's the fumble, the fumbles where he's holding the ball. Those are the fumbles I have issues with. But in his backswing, I got no problem with that. Every quarterback fumbles that ball. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so he, he's just got to build. He's got to build on this. You know, and you, you play a, a solid Titans defense and there was pressure, but you're going to like their teams are going to try and put pressure on Daniel Jones this year. Like the the Titans don't uh, blitz a ton, but they send a good amount of blitzes and and Jeff's. I mean, let's talk about the offensive line. Josh Azudu is not ready. They did a full rotation with Ben Bredesen and and Josh Azudu. Like Ben Bredesen started, then Josh Azudu came in, and then Ben Bredesen came in, and then they took him out for Josh Azudu, and then I think Ben Bredesen finished the game. Um, it's a shame Shane the Muse not healthy. Josh Azudu is not ready. Like he was no, getting, not. he was. He was horrible in pass protection. It was worse than anything we saw from Shane Lemieux rookie year. Uh, you know, like he was blown, like plays were being blown up because of Josh Azudu. And there was plays where maybe Daniel Jones has a better outcome, but Josh Azudu blew him up, whether it was him having to get to a check down too quickly or, you know, it's like he, like it's, it, I get it, it's hard to be comfortable when Josh Azudu, he, he's your blind side. You know, Andrew Thomas is your blind side, but your left guard can be your blind side too. And he was just getting blown up and was causing havoc. You know, like that third, they ran that mesh. I don't like running mesh on third down, uh, especially when you end up facing zone uh, where Daniel Jones took the sack. He probably could have got the ball at the shepherd, but it was like a Zudu got blown up. And so he's, he's immediately getting off of his reads and trying to manipulate the pocket. So, um, so Josh Azudu is just not ready. Like he was a huge issue with pass protection. I, I don't think Ben Bredesen was great either, but he was better than Josh Azudu. Yeah. I, I mean, especially going up against Jeffrey Simmons too, where he, he he's an animal, man. <laughs> he is, he, he is, is so but you, good. That was bad. No, it was really bad. And uh, I, I said again on the, on the Friday preview pod that I think Ben Bredesen's worst and Ben, a Ben Bredesen disaster game is a lot better than a Josh Azudu disaster game. And whenever Josh Azudu was in, it was disastrous. And I think Daniel Jones, uh, eight QB hits he took and then five sacks. So I'd be interested to see, Bobby, when you break down the old line film, you know, how many, you know, how many QB hits are we going to allocate to Josh Azudu? How many sacks are we going to allocate to him and, and stuff like that? Yeah, Simmons had two sacks. My boy Rashad Weaver had two sacks. Um, um, <coughs> that was, that was, not nice because he's playing the Giants, but that was like, hey, that's I liked him. Cool um, moment, Bobby Skinner. I want to talk about Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal, but first, why don't you read an ad? And I, yeah, I, I, just we're going to start a campaign for Andrew Thomas. But how about you read an ad? And now a word from our sponsor, Better Help. This year, you got to prioritize your mental health. Listen, it's important. The Giants didn't start zero one, so that's a really, really good thing. But they started one and zero. That this part of your life is kind of taken care of for this week and taken care of right now. The Giants are relevant above 500 for the first time since 2016 in the month of September. It's really awesome. But I want you to prioritize your mental health as well. More athletes, they're speaking out about the importance of mental health, but you don't have to be a pro to be at the top of your game. Therapy is the best way to stay in peak 
mental shape. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp, new sponsor, is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. Get matched with the therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists anytime. I kind of like that. You know, if you're not fully comfortable with somebody, if you're not vibing with somebody, if you want a kind of a different voice, different opinion, you can switch therapists anytime. When you're ready to feel at the top of your mental health game, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash talking giants today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H-E-L-P dot com slash Talking Giants. Appreciate you, my people. Um, all right. Giants fans. Andrew Thomas is awesome. And we got to start clamoring for him to get more respect around the NFL. He was just dominant all game long. You know, against Bud Dupree or whoever. And Bud Dupree, I saw Seth Walder uh, post about uh, like he he was like had a better like you know get off than he did get off. Uh, you know before the ACL injury. He is amazing, and we need to start clamoring and get and get his name around the league. That like it's time to respect Andrew Thomas. He needs to be a Pro Bowler this year. He needs to get all Pro votes. Like Andrew Thomas is a real deal. Like he was dominant and he looked better in the run game. And like I'm very excited to watch his film. Like we we've got one. I knew we I know we I I don't want to get used to Andrew Thomas being great. You know what I mean? Like. At this point, it's like it's something we expect, but I, I don't think we should just be like, oh, well, Andrew Thomas was great. Let's move on. Like, I think we can need to continue to talk about we got a we got a real deal, awesome left tackle in Andrew Thomas. Seeing the C on his shirt was very, very cool. It looked right. It's like that was like the first thing that I saw as the team ran out of the tunnel. My Andrew Thomas with that C on his shirt just looked right, just looked good. He was like one of the only offensive line I, like I didn't notice him today like I just didn't notice like you know Evan Neal got beat inside I saw Mark Lewinsky blocking down the field and pushing some guys down the field obviously you know Zudu had his struggles I think Feliciano maybe struggled helping out Zudu a little bit Andrew Thomas was like the one offensive lineman who I didn't see him at all at all during the game and I think that's always a good thing when you don't hear an offensive lineman's number called um, or if he's not allowing a sack or anything like that. So Andrew Thomas is taking care of business. Excited to see it break him down and how we how he won and how he uh, had a good game. Evan Neal wasn't perfect. Like he had did have some struggles, but I thought for game one, um, I thought he looked solid. You know, obviously you got to go and watch, you know, the all 22 film on him, but he looked solid. He gave it one pressure. Um, during the game, you know, with with the the interior struggle, Feliciano struggled. Glowinski had bad reps. Azudu was like horrible. I thought Evan Neal held his own pretty well. Like he's he's got to improve. There was some bad reps that I saw um, a few times where you know Jones was escaping and Evan Neal got beat inside. But Evan Neal, I, th- I thought looked solid. So I'm very excited. Like he's the O line report this week will start with an Evan Neal segment. You know, we we gotta oh. we gotta talk about our seventh overall pick in Evan Neal. Got it receiving game i'm surprised we didn't get to him yet could tony yeah i thought that was going to be the thing that we talked about after daniel jones we've got a i think he played less than 10 snaps yes that's insane that can't happen um they would run the ball and then take him out yes that can't happen. And we saw what happens when the ball's in his hands. He takes a, a speed sweep and turns it to 20 yards. He takes a, a, a design, uh, you know, a, a pass by him. It's dead. And instead of being a six-yard loss, he turns it into a four-yard gain. Yeah. He is too good to not have on the field. Two rushes, now, 23 yards. Yeah. He is way too good to not have on the field. And I get 
There may be some things that we don't know be behind closed doors, but he is too good to just not play to to give that amount of playing time. Um, I know, like, at some point you got to co- you got to be a guy, you got to coach up these guys to fit. He's he, this roster is not good enough. Tony could have been used a lot in the receiving game, and they just didn't use him as a receiver today. They did not like he was not a part of the receiving game. There was like one time where Jones checked. There was actually the the throw where Jones should have should have hit sales that he could have hit Tony. Um. How many, yards was the chef huh? How many yards was the chef touchdown? 66 yards. You mentioned that Daniel Jones had a good st- statistical day. So 188 minus 66, 122 divided by how many attempts is that? So that's 20, not 20. counting that. That's 6.1 yards per attempt, um, not counting the big explosive play, which, of course, the big explosive play counts, but... If nothing is yeah, working, I don't like taking that away and, and no, but no, but that. no, but hear me out. If nothing is working, throwing deep down the field because your offensive line just doesn't have time, isn't that exactly why Kadarius Tony's on the team? So you exactly. can target him in the intermediate part of the field. And I don't even understand. Even if you're like, what, like, what are you trying to stick it to him because he doesn't like he's not like we we know that there's questions on if he's committed to football. Like we we know that. I mean, there the, these are things that we have been talking about for an entire season now throughout his rookie year, right? Those were things that we were talking about last summer, you know, when when he's not practicing this and that, blah blah blah. So, I don't if if you're trying to stick it to him, prove a point, it's but not, that's not going to how you you can't do like you got to not everyone's going to be a cookie cutter teammate. No. Okay, and and doing that to Tony is, you're is not going to get the best out of him. That's, you're not you're hurting hurt. Kadarius Tony. You're hurting yourself. Yes, Tony has to be on the field. I'm not sitting here saying he needs to play 90 percent of the reps, but essentially. After Saquon, he's your best talent on, uh, you know, best, you know, best skill player on the team. Yeah, like he is way too good and way too talented to just do that to. Okay, and I'm telling you, doing that to him does not help. Like license plate guy posted, you know, the video of him um, on the sideline where he's, he's frustrated. Not happy. Yeah, I saw and again, it. I don't blame him for being frustrated. He knows who, what type of player he is, and and again, he needs to take responsibility of some of the issues that are happening behind closed doors too. But. He's too good to not make this work. He's just too good to not make this work. Okay, you gotta coach. You gotta coach this guy up and figure out a way in a, a very solid role. Um, you know, it was an injury, by the way. Like in the no. regular season, if a guy has any injury, you have to put it on the injury report. Even if they're full participants in practice, you have to put it on the injury report. Brian Dable said he wasn't banged up at all either, um, but obviously coaches lie in press conferences. Like I think Dable lied about. Um, there was something he said in the press conference like that wasn't true. Um. Again, coaches lie in press conferences. Nothing new. Um, but you you just Tony's. T- I've said it twenty. You're you're hurting yourself already. again. The Giants are hurting themselves the most out of any party in this situation, in an offense today that did not look good through the air. Did not look good. Like I, I'm gonna you know nitpick again. Like Daniel Jones having a good statistical day. I really don't think it was that great of a statistical day because the passing offense, like the rushing offense, was more efficient than the passing offense. Today. That than the the pass the rushing offense was more efficient than the passing offense. That doesn't happen in the NFL. That's not supposed to happen in the NFL. So, yeah, man, um, Kadarius Tony would have helped today. And you know what's funny? Any time that he was on the field and he did get the ball in his hands, Kadarius Tony did help the Giants. Which what and on design plays where it's like, here's the ball. Now everyone attack Kadarius Tony. Yes. you know, not on running like. Kadarius Tony can run a slam. He can run a car. Like you can, again, he may not have the full grasp of everything you're trying to do, but he's just way too talented to not have out there. Yeah. 
Um, so they got they've got to figure that out, and they got to figure it out fast because you're going to ruin this relation. You're going to you're going to ruin this asset in Kadarius Tony if you continue to do to this. Like just just doing just not playing him. That's not it's not going to help. No. Like I understand. I would rather. I wish Kadarius Tony was. Uh, you know, cookie cutter. Wrong. Yeah, yeah, cookie. Like I wish every player on the team was, but not all of them are. You know, so and again, uh, there's things behind closed doors that Tony deserves blame on. I would assume, but you've got to play this guy. He's too good to not play. Did David Sills get a target today? No, sure got one, but he didn't get one. I would be shocked if David Sills didn't lead the team in wide receiver snaps today. He was on the field for almost every single snap. Yeah, wild. Um, you could be the biggest David Sills fan, but, I mean, to say that David Sills should be getting more snaps than Kadarius Tony, sorry. Yeah, I mean, at least Galladay got two catches for, you know, 20-something yards and had a third down conversion. <laughs> yeah. David Sills in, Dave, you know, and even the, the big play that David Sills should have had, it was just a blown coverage. Yeah. It's not David Sills being good at wide receiver. But instead of just criticizing the Giants, because like you said, there is something behind the scenes. This is two coaching staffs now. One coaching staff you can question, you can criticize and be like, hey, what is going on? We got to get this guy out on the field. We got to see what he's about. This is the second coaching staff now that they're doing the same exact thing. Literally, the first couple weeks of the season until the Giants had to play Kadarius Tony last year when Galladay went down, when Shep went down, when Slate, like they all went down in the same game last year. That was like that Falcons game, right? Then they play Kadarius Tony, and he did. And he did. Wow, he did good things. Amazing. But this is the second coaching staff in a row that is putting him out there for a play, taking him out, and then only giving him manufactured stuff. This is the second year in a row with the second different coaching staff. But that also Why? makes the same point: is that guess what? He's not going to be perfect. But when you do play him, he's going to make plays. Yeah. You know, every game he played in last year, where he was part of the game plan, he made plays. Um. You know, led the team like led the team in, in receptions in almost every game that he actually was part of the game plan. Um, so, and it wasn't just the Dallas game. Play him; he's too good to not play. Yep. Other thing, Rich. People are going to say Richie James had a good game, five catches, fifty nine yards. Um, I want to pull back on that a little bit. Three of the catches for forty eight yards were on third and twenties that didn't convert. Helps field and position. Then, and then one was the. Again, I'm not gonna, I'm not mad at him for making those catches, but I, I where the stats can lie, you know, we talked about Daniel Jones, and then one was the halftime, and that drop, like that drop is, that's game changing, you know, yeah. like you know, obviously they got the ball back in the muff punt, but that's a game changing drop. You can't happen that, and that was one of Daniel Jones' better throws of the day, and he dropped it. You can't have that. I close um, my eyes whenever I get stressed that Kadarius Tony's not on the field. I close my eyes and I just think that it's Richie James. Credit to Sterling Shepard. Guy tore his Achilles eight months ago and has a 66-yard touchdown. You know, like that was – that might be end up being Shepard. Like was that the came touchdown out of versus the Colts in 2019? Look it up on pro football reference. But that really did come out of nowhere. Like, we're you know, you know, young Shep talking about him being a low average depth of target, high catch rate kink. I mean, that's like what he does. And him and Daniel Jones have like this insane relationship in the, uh, as a chain mover on third downs. And then lo and behold, boom, he catches that streak down the field um, for, for an explosive play. That I Like I said, my theory is that it's an option route, but don't listen to me because I could be dumb. Did you, do you have an answer on that if that's like the longest catch of his career? I didn't look it up. The only oh, one I could think up. of would be 2018. 
20, he might have had some other ones. But anyways, let's talk about Chris Myrick, though. The GOAT. Guy has four career catches, two are touchdowns. Game winner versus the Eagles, essentially. Game winner today before the two-point conversion. Chris Myrick, just the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. The guy, all he does is catch touchdown passes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's funny how Chris Myrick had, like, a hero moment. You know, you know, like the full the guy that's listed as a fullback on the roster catching the one yard touchdown pass, um, has like a hero moment, and nobody, no, it's gonna become like a trivia question that like Wes is gonna ask like five years from now. Who was the guy that caught the touchdown pass? Um, in Brian to, Dable's first game. In Brian Dable's first game before the two point conversion, and it's gonna be like Daniel Bellinger, Chris Myrick, you know. Evan Ingram, <laughs> who like who who caught it, and people are like, really, Chris Myrick caught it. Saquon Barkley ruined his moment. Yeah, so bad Damn. guy Saquon. <laughs> All right, um, let's talk about the defense. Before that, the NFL's opening week was it was action packed, people, and it's just getting started. By the way, check out mine and Danny's picks on the spread picks. Like we uh, both went Don't. six and two. Danny was amazing last year. I was good Don't last year. Get ready for week two of uh, touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 in any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. So if you bet on the Titans today, well, you would have won. Even though they're massive losers... You would have won. Again, the Titans are massive losers, but you would have won. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOHNBOY to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code JOHNBOY only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. I want to give Wink Martindale credit. He did not have help. Um... (laughs) from his players in this game uh, but I think he did a good job like he has a he has a scheme that stops the run and funneled things towards the inside uh you know Henry you held Derrick Henry to 3.9 yards per carry and it, they gave him volume to try and get the get it and they could just never get it going and that was with bad personnel like bad edge defenders in the run game uh Jihad Ward's a solid uh, edge defender but not like a an advantage like he, he can hold his own Austin Calitro and Tay Crowder, like the, uh, you know, Tay Crowder was able to come up and make some plays in the run game. You know, Calitro didn't look very, uh, look very good. Um, and Leonard Williams did his job in the run game. Uh, I, I thought there was something there to be desired as far as him as a pass rusher. Yeah, but like, could be hits. Good job. Like, know, know your opponent. Now, I'm not saying this Wink Martindale defense is going to come out and impress us every single week because there's, we're not going to face a wide receiver core of Robert Woods. Nick Westbrook and Traylon Burks every single week. Um, but, like, you know your opponent. They stopped the run, and they, you know, they were able to not let Ryan Tannehill get in too much of a rhythm. They were able to get some chunk plays in the passing game, but Ryan Tannehill was never to get it, like, got into a great rhythm. No, and I think Tennessee, um, you know, hey, if I'm talking Titans, uh, I'm maybe talking about how Tennessee shot themselves in the foot. Uh, a couple times with a lot of different things, but guess what? Like I said, the Giants have shot themselves on the foot plenty of times, uh, especially you know offensively, timeouts, things like that. So I think Tennessee definitely did that, and that was the difference uh, in this game as well. Um, I, I'm gonna can I give I'm giving out a game ball, and I want to share it, a defensive game ball. 
Jihad Ward and O'Shane Zimenez, I thought, played the run kind of well. Especially Jihad Ward. Um, They funneled everything towards it. Yeah, Jihad Ward had had some plays in the run game. Um, I got to watch O'Shane. I I, I focused in on O'Shane a couple times, and he wasn't like he was getting blocked by tight ends. Um, He did have a QB hit, though, so good good for O'Shane. He had two QB hits this game. Oh, word. Um, So... But that's the thing, though, is Wink was blitzing, and they still couldn't get pressure. Like well, that, they had especially no that sacks. last drive. Yeah, they gave Timon the last drive. They got some pressure, but they gave Timon Fox a a, a sack. Yeah, in the stat sheet, but that wasn't a sack. Congratulations, like, it, Timon Ryan Fox. Ryan Tannehill scrambled and like got tackled at the line of scrimmage. Take that, Quincy Rocheng. Um, like they got they got no sacks. You know, no. um. Like they were like they just couldn't like they were blitzing and it was kind of it wasn't as it was more intense than Patrick Graham last year at the beginning of the season, but Patrick Graham tried to blitz and play man coverage against the Broncos. They were blitzing and still couldn't get pressure, and that's why I will say I was disappointed in Larry Williams. I wanted him to dominate as a pass yeah. rusher, and their their reps were not there. Um, the difference between that Broncos game last year is I eventually think that Pat Shermer was just like, screw this. I'm just going to throw the ball every play. Teddy Bridgewater is just going to roll out, play action. Uh, these linebackers are going to bite for it. And the big plays were there. Whereas the Titans, they did not do that. They were trying to get Derrick Henry going. They were trying, you know, they were winning the game. I mean, <laughs> they were winning the yeah. game. What, what, were the, what were we down by 13, uh, you know, to start the second half? So yeah, the Titans, Titans are going to do what the Titans, like they, they aren't the Titans by not doing what they, like they, they stick to what they do. But I think that's um, exactly what, you know, what, what Wink does and what those Baltimore defenses have, have always done is they've stopped the run and they, they did it today. And, you know, good, good for the Giants. Good for Jihad Ward. Good, good for O'Shane Zimenez setting a good edge. Good for Tay Crowder blowing up a Derrick Henry on a, on a play. That was, that was really, really fun. Didn't even tackle him. Kind of just gave him some forearms and Derrick Henry goes flying to the ground. So um, those guys were, those guys were looking pretty good. So the, what we said that they had to come in and do, which is stop the run, stop Derrick Henry. They, they did that. Yeah, we, we we like the Titans offense goes as Derrick Henry goes and Derrick Henry did not go in this game. They got some they got helped on a couple holding penalties too. Uh, but again, you know, you, you force force teams into mistakes. I also thought they Wink Martindale, what I what I was most impressed with, I'm excited to watch the all twenty two of it. Um I will say it's it's harder to tell what this coaching staff is doing um on broadcast version versus uh the last coaching staff because like the Jason Garrett offense is like everything stayed on the screen with their route combos <laughs> with Mike Kafka's not. And then Wink Martindale just throws a lot of different looks, but he, that's yeah. what he did. Like he threw a lot of different looks and didn't let Ryan Tannehill get comfortable. Uh, again, they gave up some chunk plays, you know, Traylon Burks had some chunk plays. Uh, even Kyle Phillips had, had some, but they did like the, the Tannehill was never able to just get in a rhythm. Like they threw different looks at him all day and Tannehill was missing throws. He was uh, slow, like was processing slow and, and throw, getting the ball out late and allowing guys to adjust. Um, I'm interested to go and really dive into like, how did they, how did they help Aaron Robinson? Cause it seemed like McKinney was, was helping a lot on, on yeah. his side. So again, like Wink Martindale, I thought just had a, a solid game plan. Um, the one thing that worries me though, is, Something we talked about when we, you know, when Darnay Holmes was having a turnover every day in training camp. Yep. It's like, I won't, don't get too lost in these training camp storylines because Darnay struggles in man coverage. You know, Patrick Graham never put him in those situations last year and good on Patrick Graham for that. But he had two defensive holding calls on third downs and they weren't even like ticky tack. Like they were egregious holding calls where it's yep. like, Darnay, what are you doing here, man? Like you're literally just wrapping your, your hand or your arm around his neck. And just totally rerouting with them like that, and then 
what could what could have been the game losing play. You know, that corner route to Kyle Phillips. Again, uh, both UCLA guys, by the way, Kyle Phillips versus Darnay Holmes. But I understand you're not the best man corner in the world, Darnay, but that guy's a, a fifth, sixth round rookie out of UCLA. Yeah, you gotta you you gotta you gotta make a play there, Darnay. So he 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 struggles in man. I think that will be I mean that'll be an issue. But we did see part of it was like that last drive, Wink Martindale was just like, I'm I'm bringing the pressure. Yeah, like, like a sack gonna... a sack wins the game. I mean that I yeah. was just thinking somebody get home, somebody get home. Because if you get a sack, I mean it just wins you the game. I think Tennessee had one timeout left at that point. They burned that final timeout, then they're really yeah. playing on their heels. So Darnay, there yeah. was there were two sna- there were two plays this game. Oh, let me ask you this. That, you know, the Kyle Phillips catch that he allowed at the end. Do you think if he tries to play the ball, turn around, make some sort of attempt to tip the ball that he tips it and it's pass deflection? Or is that just an awesome route, awesome throw? He can't defend that. It. I mean, you can defend it, but like at the point of, of the throw, of the of like the, the catch, I don't think, I mean, ideally you can do something, but it's... Yeah. That's just not real life. It's, this isn't like you know Grant Haley not turning his head type thing. It was just yeah. like it's 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 not matter where you. Get there to was one triangle. third down. There was one third down catch that he allowed that he's like right there, but he just doesn't turn his head and doesn't see the ball coming. So I mean, he could have almost picked it if he turned his head and um, saw that there was a ball coming and whatever. So um, yeah, he just struggles in, in man. Struggles in man. Yeah, which, uh, we, which we know. But that last drive of the game. Wink wasn't even hiding it. He's like, we're running cover zero. Because like you said, sacks and so sack ends that game, you know, and sacks and drives too. Um, and you could tell Wink was just like it. But even then, they like they got pressure on that drive, but it wasn't like you think cover zero pressure. You think of like you got to get the ball out super There was no quick. pressure that altered throws. Maybe there was one or two because there was a tip. I think O'Shane had a – O'Shane Zimenez had a pass deflection on that drive. Yeah. There were no really throws that were – it's like, wow, that was a bad throw because of the pressure that was on Ryan Tannehill. He was still able to deliver stuff pretty safe. And I honestly think, like, if the Titans commit to throwing the ball a little bit earlier and in not allowing the Giants to really get back into that game – and they really want to put the Giants to bed. I think that they could have done it. So that's also one of those things where you know we're we're projecting the Giants' defense going forward. You know there may be some coaches who maybe aren't so stubborn in their ways to just run the ball, even though because they want to. If they want to commit to the pass against this Giants' defense, you kind of can do it. Next week, I think it's still a good matchup for the Giants. The wide receivers are much better in Carolina, but I do think next week should be a good matchup for uh and and worse line play. Yeah, Ben McAdoo. A chemical one who really struggled. Hopefully, uh, uh, Aziz and Kayvon are maybe back. Yeah, I, I wouldn't bet on it. Um, I let, let's talk about the last thing on defense. Um, Austin Calicho is really bad in coverage. Gave up a touchdown to Dontrell Hilliard. Tay Crowder gave up a touchdown too, but it wasn't as bad. Like he got, it was kind of a pick play, but he still could have done a better job on it. But Austin Calicho, I mean, that for, it was that first touchdown of the game. Like he just was in man coverage and just got flat out beat. Like that was ugly, you know. So, um, we talked about it. They didn't cut Blake Martinez because he's not great in coverage. Because Blake Martinez is much better in coverage than Austin Calitro is, and they didn't do it to play the kids because Austin Calitro is the same age as Blake Martinez and has been bouncing around the league for five years. Um, and I don't want to. This isn't. But basically, what I'm saying is Calitro's not great. like he struggles in coverage, um, and and it really showed. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of, you said it on the Blake Martinez's cut show. Giants have made their bed. They're laying it. They're laying in it. 
Um, any any other notes on the defense? Again, I, I wanted to see more out of Leonard today in the pass rush department. I I was a little disappointed in him. Adore Jackson looked great. Like he is he's didn't face a a great wide. They called him for that defensive pass interference. He did get one other catch to Robert Woods, but Robert Woods had one catch on the entire in the entire game. Like Adore Jackson stepped up to the plate as cornerback one. Now it was against a weak wide receiver core, but nonetheless he did step up to the plate today um, and and looked. Look really impressive. And, and again, Aaron Robinson, I, I want to watch the film to see how it went, but Aaron Robinson wasn't picked on today. No. That's a huge W that Aaron Robinson was not picked on. Um, you know, so there's there's less film of, you know, the Panthers don't have film of like, we can just pick on this guy. Um, so that was very encouraging. Like that Aaron Robinson, I, I, I think they helped him in some of the coverages and stuff, but good job by Aaron Robinson and doing his job. All right, Bobby Skinner. Um, I guess we'll wrap up we'll kind of take a breath maybe reflect on how nuts everything victory kinda, baby and how nuts everything kind of went and how we're feeling where we're at because we did a lot of analysis so giants are want to know come out to metlife stadium next sunday please it'll be the home opener the giants are above 500 for the first time since 2016 and it feels so good to say it. i don't care how many times i'm going to say it this episode and what i want you to do either before the game if you are a pregame meal type of person or after the game, if you want to emotionally eat after a loss or if you want to emotionally eat in a good way, I want you to go to the Candlewick Diner, the best freaking diner in the state of New Jersey. I'll tell you what, too. New regime, a lot of new players, but at least in the you know the old regime, ton of Giants players went to the Candlewick Diner. Jabril Peppers uh, was a frequent attendee. Um, I stalked Raymond Johnson as he was leaving a bathroom last year at the Candlewick Diner. So I'm excited to see what kind of maybe new players are going to be showing up. Maybe they have a little bit of the ganja at night. So then they get a little food to go and then they bring it home. I think that happens sometimes too. Candlewick Diner, they're celebrating their 53rd year in East Rutherford this October. It's located just a mile up the road from MetLife Stadium, so it's super close whether you want a pregame meal or a postgame meal. Perfect spot for a pregame breakfast or postgame dinner drinks. Full-service bar, in-house bakery, and free delivery. Extensive menu from breakfast to burgers to steaks and pasta. What I want you to do is check out the Candlewick Diner in East Rutherford, New Jersey for all your diner favorites. Really do appreciate Candlewick Diner. Um, they're the best. Yes. All right, how was the atmosphere in, in Nashville? <laughs> Dude, it, it, there were times where it felt like a Giants home game. I I can't tell you the split because there were Titans fans there. And the, like the, the stadium was filled with a lot of Titans fans, but the stadium was also packed with Giants fans. Broadway was just packed with uh, Giants fans. Or Broadway is like the main street of Nashville. Um, I took a video of the bridge there's like a bridge that you can walk back to the city of nashville from the stadium um so i took that video looking back at how many people were walking back everybody's a giants everybody's a giants fan people are high five (laughs) high five in each other i mean it was just an awesome awesome atmosphere even like from thursday the day that i got in nashville to sunday you know when we're when we're recording when we're chatting about this atmosphere is just so awesome um we're ready to win more so a lot of listeners too. It was very cool. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, people just like on Broadway being like, "Hey, Justin." I'm like, "Oh, cool. All right." In a bar, I'm like, in a bar, like, "Are you Justin?" Yeah, I'm Justin. All right, cool. Yeah, that, I mean, it was a, 
and exciting. I, I posted a video of dad of the year where this kid was like just heckling. He's like, I, he must have been a stepdad because he's just like heckling the crap out of these kids. Um, and speaking of atmosphere, the locker room shit was just so cool. Yeah, Dable, you know, whatever song it was, it was it was Dable just going off. So Dable for the culture. Brian Dable's got the energy going right now. That's some people in the chat are saying BDE, Brian Dable Energy, is what mm. that stands for. Um, by the way, we got to give a a W. People were coming at Danny King's neck being like, it's yes. going to rain. It's going to rain. It didn't rain at all during the game. So Danny King is the greatest meteorologist of all time. He was even getting hate like before the game because it was like storming for 10 minutes and then it stopped and storming for 10 minutes. I got a tweet from some guys like, didn't you have somebody on your show saying it's not going to rain? And I was like, I didn't, didn't want to explain. Rain. And I think Danny did say it may rain in the morning, but it will not rain during the game. And it did not rain one single drop and that deserves huge props to Danny King so that was a fun game man being 1-0 feels awesome it makes this it makes all it just makes being a football fan so much more uh enjoyable so I'm, I'm excited for that uh stuff we have on the schedule for this week the O-line report and film review will be out Justin will do a stat report mailbag on Wednesday if you want to get a mailbag question in we'll put out a tweet on Tuesday morning from the Talking Giants account asking for your questions um i I really do think that's the best podcast we do every week is the mailbag because it gives yeah. us two days to watch film, look at numbers, and really dive deep on the topics we want to hit on. Um, and then obviously the Friday pod. Uh, so it was uh, – Mr. Brown still said it. Let's win some games. He's like, yeah. I, I, I don't care. I want to win some games. And, we want and what's some awesome games. about this, Bobby, we're looking forward to next week too. <clears throat> right? Yeah. Like, oh, my God, dude. I just thought, like, what if we are 2-0? What if we're two and zero? That's freaking insane! Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Now I'm, I'm now I'm way too excited. And that's something to give credit to this team, the coaches, the players. Mm-hmm. We've been Giants fans went through some bad times the last five years. At every moment of the game, it's like you know, it's like ah, uh, we're gonna lose. Yep, we're gonna. This is where we been lost. here before. You know, even when they score, you get the two point conversion. It's like we're gonna lose. So good, good uh, credit to the Giants for pulling one out. So. We'll be back for a pod on Wednesday. We really do appreciate you guys. Again, tell your friends about the pod. Like, that's that's my request. Um, do it. I don't care what you have to do. If you have to, like, grab their phone, uh, assault them. Like, mm. grab their phone and subscribe to the podcast. Like, we we uh we want to make the Talking Giants family bigger. So, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Wednesday for a mailbag pod. The Giants, enjoy Victory Monday. Enjoy being undefeated. Enjoy being a winner. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. Until then, let's go Big Blue.